What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of The Athlete Angle. Today, we're chatting with Alex Federa. Alex played soccer at the University of Connecticut and played pro in multiple countries. We got deep, y'all. We talked about her career-ending injury, which led into a season of depression and an eating disorder. We also talked about her passion for aerial performance and how this helped her learn about herself outside of her sport. You're going to want to listen to the end because Alex gives some killer advice on how to rediscover your identity in life after sports. Let's dig in. What's up, guys? Welcome to The Athlete Angle. I'm your host, MC Bell. Do you feel like you're walking aimlessly through life after sports? Do you feel lost without your sport and unsure of how to find confidence in your purpose? It's like the second you hung up your cleats or walked off that field, you've been drifting ever since. Well, I'm here to tell you that you are not alone, my friend. You are one of thousands of student and professional athletes that struggle with transitioning into life after sports. Join me this week as we work to unravel the confusing journey of life post sports, gain clarity in your purpose, and find confidence in your identity so you can flourish in life after sports. Let's dive in. You grew up playing soccer. You played it your entire life up through essentially like the highest you could really go, the level you could really go. How did you get into the sport and why did you stick with it? So I got into the sport as a kid. So I was literally young um, in sports all my life. My parents were in sports. My dad was a runner, a rugby player. My mom was also a runner and tennis player. And so sports was just ingrained in me from childhood. Um, I also had an artistic side and I was a dancer as well. So I was primarily soccer and dance were my two top um, activities growing up until I truly had to make a decision till I got to high school. And I was playing club soccer at that point in time. And I was trying to maintain both. And finally, I just had to decide what I wanted to do. So I decided to stick with soccer. Um, And I had been recruited as well in this period of time. So went and got recruited to play at the University of Connecticut. And I was recruited for a couple other schools as well. But ultimately, I chose to go to UConn just because I loved uh, when you get to Division One schools, usually they have you doing um, site visits. So that was one of the site visits I did. And I just fell in love with the campus, the coach, the team. So I ended up playing in college all four years. Um, And then ultimately, when I graduated in 2008, the women's league, the women's professional league in the United States had folded um, due to funding, which was very sad. So a lot of us just found ourselves wondering, um, where do we go from here if we want to keep playing in our sport? And for me, I just didn't feel like I was finished playing and I could have, you know, done the typical thing post-college of, you know, I was interning at this PR firm. I could have stayed on full time. And then one of my teammates contacted me of saying that there's a league in Sweden that a couple of girls were going to play in see the Allsvenskan league. So I ended up getting recruited to go play over there and got to play in Sweden. Uh, It was an amazing experience amazing experience um, just to play in a whole other league um, with a different type of you know athlete um, learning a different culture I'd always grown up traveling so I loved being able to do that 
Um, and then when that season finished, I was craving something else. So there was a Brazilian league because they follow a different seasons than we do. So I went to go play down there as well for Santos, um, Santos Futebol Club and played during that season, um, which ultimately led to my career ending injury, unfortunately. It's the one thing I, I got to the end of my college career and I always wondered, I'm like, well, if I actually, like, what would it look like if I did go play pro soccer? And still to like this day, I feel like a lot of girls that don't play in like NWSL um, or in the United States, they go over to Sweden. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it's interesting that you also said Brazil. Was that mm -hmm. just because the seasons were different and you were looking for the next adventure? At that point in time, I was in contact with um, essentially an agent had contacted me um, that got me the gig in Sweden and asked if I'd be willing to go play in Brazil. And I was like, yeah, let's let's do it. It was like right after Christmas, too. I had to go leave and play. Um, but I had like taken Spanish in high school because honestly, the team down there, besides me and one other um, player from the States, everyone else was from Brazil. They were a lot of the Brazilian national team players as well. They all spoke Portuguese. So that was like another added piece to it is like learning Portuguese while I got to play down there. And like, I've always loved to be enthralled in language and culture. So it was just such a great opportunity to be put in of not just being able to play, but like connecting with a whole different culture and, and different style and everything that was involved with that. And just like making other friends as well. That is so cool. Do you yeah. still keep in touch with um, some of the girls yeah. that you played? Yeah, it's just, it's so funny now in the world of like social media, I know there can be, you know, some negatives to it, but the positive is like, I am now friends on Facebook and Instagram with a lot of these girls that I played with. And it's just made it easier for us to connect with each other over the years. And like, I'll see pictures pop up too. They'll like repost them like every once in a while. And I'm like, oh my goodness, like it was so long ago. And you just see it resurface and it brings back so many memories and feelings. I bet those feelings though, and the memories are so, you know, they're so unique to the situation, but they're, you know, they're, they're such good memories to go and look back at. Um, and it they probably are. feels like it was yesterday that you were there. Yeah, it is. It does. It does not feel as long as it has been. Um, but yeah, and every time that, you know, I'm in a situation where I can tell a story of where I was or how it ties into that moment, I'm just immediately filled with gratitude that I was able to have that experience and I'm able to tell the stories that I can. Do you have like a particular highlight of work or not working sorry playing um on the Brazilian team while you were there honestly it wasn't even so much the playing as it was being a part of that team and like when I was starting to speak Portuguese with them and they were bringing me to um their church is called Iglesia and I would go with them to church and they have a very different like I'm Greek Orthodox and they would just have a very different type of church where people are standing up and singing and holding each other's hands and just rejoicing all together. And I remember just like finally feeling a part of that group and they took me with them and like got to be there. And just like, I felt fully immersed in the culture there with my teammates. Cause that's one of the things about playing a team sport is like, you have this built-in family that you start to create with your teammates. And like in that moment, I felt like, I'm thousands of miles away from my family 
And yet I've created this second home for myself here. That is such a good point. You, <laughs> like you were saying, like you have dozens of best friends on a team. You don't have to go out and search for them. You don't have to, you know, vet them. They're all from a similar background as you. They all love play the sport that you love. So that's, that's like the part, I think maybe a lot of people that did play team sports miss. I don't know what it's like for people that play golf. I have no idea. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But I definitely, I agree with you. That was like a highlight of some of the best memories that I, Mm -hmm. I had growing up um, playing that sport for sure. Even as you talk about golf. So I work for a company right now where we, um, we have sponsored athletes and one of them is a PGA player. And I talked to him about things and he's actually like a CrossFitter, which is kind of what my company uh, was born out of. But he says it gets like lonely on the road because, and they're traveling a lot out of the year. And it's like, you have yourself, your caddy, but you don't really have that built-in team like a lot of us do. Um, So yeah, having to find it in other places, whereas for soccer, I feel like we have that Mm built-in almost uh, family or sorority or whatever you'd like to call it. How long were you playing with the Brazilian team? So I played a season for them. Um, but that I actually had to go home early cause that's what, again, my career ending injury with my ankle and I had to go home and get surgery. So what happened in those circumstances? How did the, the injury occur? So it was over a lot of, a larger period of time. It was just, um, I supinate. So I was always prone to rolling my ankles and it was just happening, you know, constantly in games and things of that sort. And one particular time in college, I think it was summer of my sophomore year. So a lot of me, my teammates and I, we stayed on campus during the summer. We played like in a women's league and we did um, some strength and conditioning just to, you know, stay ready for the fall. So there was a specific training drill we did where we had to jump off of a plyo box straight into a ladder drill. As you know, those ladder drills with soccer players. <laughs> And I unfortunately like jumped off onto a rolled ankle. So like a high up box, like 30 inches, I believe I jumped off onto a rolled ankle and like, it was just a bad, um, it's like a grade two or grade three sprain where like my instantly, my ankle blew up. It looked like a softball was in it. They had to like cover my eyes and were like, don't look, don't look. They thought it was broken. It wasn't broken. It was just very badly sprained, but that kind of kicked off series of, I don't know if you've had conversations with other collegiate players, but when you're playing in college and you know, you're trying to secure your spot, you're going to do anything to keep that spot. And you know, that there's someone coming in after you, that's just ready to take it. Um, And obviously there's like a monetary part of it, of scholarship and things of that sort that you feel like you have to keep up with. So, you know, I might not have let my ankle heal to the best of its ability, was constantly just like wrapping it and playing on maybe not a fully functional ankle, the best to its ability, just to maintain that. Um, And just kept doing that. And like, you'd have it would re-injure it and then it'd get better. And it was just this cyclical thing until I got into playing in Brazil. And I remember it was just this one slide tackle that I just could not come up from. Like I could not put any weight on that ankle. And it was just bad to the point where I got an MRI, I got imaging done and it was just um, 
when they went in to see it was my talus bone. So your ankle bone had been, I had nothing in between that and my other bones. So it was just bone pounding on bone. So the top oh. of my talus looked like a cracked egg shell. So it was like, I had to go in and clean all of that up and repair a lot. So had like reconstructive surgery in my ankle and um, was advised not to go back to playing or doing anything that was like side to side movements and just staying very straight. <laughs> wow. That yeah. is not fun at all. No. no. So no. then you decided that that's like, this is a time where I'm going to stop playing. Um, yeah. What was that like? I struggled a lot because it was like, I, as I kind of take it back to, you know, that decision-making when you finish college and you, you know, have this path laid out of, I'm always an organized person and like to, you know, what's next and what should I be doing and staying on top of things. So feeling like I was doing this internship and I could have stayed with this company and ultimately led to a full-time position, but I chose to take a different route and go play pro soccer. Cause I was like, when am I going to get this chance again? You know? So feeling like I made this decision and not to say that I ever look back and regret anything, but it was like, what do I do now? Like I chose this path and put kind of all my eggs in this basket and just felt lost. Um, I felt a loss in identity. Cause it was like, I'm this person, I'm Alex, the soccer player. And at that point in time, you know, you're still close with all your teammates from college. So a lot of them were still playing in pro leagues or their national leagues. And I just felt like, who am I without this sport? Wow. I yeah. can empathize big time. Uh, yeah. So where did that lead you? So ultimately it led me into a very dark place to be quite honest. And just to give you like full context on myself, it's like, I've, you can talk to any one of my friends. I've always been known as like, Alex, she's cheerful. She's happy. She brings the energy, like even on my team in college, like I was the one hyping everybody up. Like we're doing dance parties, like always that person that would bring light into a room. And suddenly it was like, I was just dark. Um, I was depressed. I fell into an eating disorder that you know, I had seen it in athletics when I was in college. And I, I remember telling myself, like, I can never understand how athletes fall into this because for me, it was like food is fuel, you know, like you need that to be able to run, to be able to be agile, to be the strong one on the field. And it was like, all of a sudden I got smacked in the face with it and just did not know what to do. I was just obsessed. It was the one thing I could focus on. I was being obsessed with food. I was depressed. I didn't want to hang out with friends. It was just like the only thing I could think about was food and what I was not eating or not putting into my system because I don't know if I was afraid because I wasn't training in the capacity I was anymore that like I wasn't going to be burning calories. It was just something, some switch flipped in my brain. Um, and I didn't know it at the time, but I started, you know, as I come later in life, it was just all about control. And it was something that I could control in my life because I felt so out of control at that moment in time of like, 
I did not decide to get injured. I did not decide to stop this sport. It was something that happened. And like, I chose one thing to focus on and it ended up being food. And it was just took me by surprise myself, all of my family, because again, everybody knew me as this, you know, happy, cheery, go lucky person. I'm Greek Orthodox. So we, food is like, you know, part of being in family to us. So it's just like this weird, I was not myself at all. How did you uh, learn to start identifying with other, maybe other skills or other talents? How did you become more curious and start to work your way out of that? So, like I said, I just knew I wasn't myself. Um, and I just knew that I couldn't go down this route. I specifically remember laying in bed and I was like afraid that I wasn't going to, like my heart was going to stop. And I was like, I cannot live like this anymore. Like I need to get back to doing something I love. So the first thing I thought of that always brought me joy was travel. Um, it's something that I'd always done as a kid. And it was something that I always did even in sport. So it was like, I love to travel. How can I do that? So I had friend, uh, family in Greece at the time. I still do. And I was like, mom and dad, I'm going to fly to Greece for the summer. And I am going to go work in Greece. And like, I need to get out of this because I can't keep living like this. And they talked to my uncle and aunt over there and they were like, good idea. And I think they ultimately felt like, okay, she's going to be with family. She'll be okay. So I went over there and I was like, my idea in my head is like, I'm going to go over to Greece. I'm going to work on the Island in the summer. And I'm just going to like get myself out of this. Funny enough, my older sister, she's eight years older than me. She was working for an all-inclusive resort called club med at the time in Turkey with my brother-in-law. Um, and we had one of my cousin's weddings in Greece, the same time that I was over there and she came over and we had my cousin's, um, wedding and she was like, Hey, why don't you come back to club med with me? We can get you a job there and you can work with me and you'll be with me. And I was like, okay, you know, like I didn't have an agenda at this point in time. So I went back from Greece to Turkey with my sister and started working at club med. Um, so one thing about club meds is they're very interactional with their guests and they have a lot of like activities and sports that you do. And one of those activities is circus. So flying trapeze aerials and things of that sort that they teach the guests, but also those that are teaching also train in between and they perform at night, um, kind of putting on like a Cirque du Soleil, but a smaller, smaller level. And so I ultimately started training in that when I started working for Club Med and I just found this new passion and it kind of tied into my other love um, kind of dates back to what I was talking about with dance and soccer of like that performing quality. Um, and also a lot of soccer players can relate to the fact that like when we're on, on the field, it's another performance, you know? So I started training in a very different style um, of activity, but I fell in love with it. And just, it kind of helped pull me out of that dark hole that I was in that I, you know, it didn't have to just be soccer, but I could find like other things that I love to do and I could perform for other people. And I brought joy to their lives by doing this. So, um, that was, that was something that happened to me that kind of pulled me out of that, that hole. Wow. That is so cool. Do you still practice that? Or is that something that you've kind of put to the wayside now? 
sometimes I do. So like I have my aerial silks that will hang up at the gym now and again. And like my sister and I both actually did it. So like, we'll do some things and we'll, you know, we both CrossFit now. So we have that, we've kept like that upper body strength. Um, so I'll practice here and again. And like, there's places I could go here, but with like the constraints of work and family and everything, I just haven't felt, um, we used to have a trapeze school here in Boston too. And that actually closed. I worked at that for a while, but that closed as well. So I don't have anything super close to where I live that I can consistently train and perform. Did being a part of that allow you to feel motivated to want to take care of your body and work out? Uh, or was it something that was more for your, like, you know, to engage you more in your performance? It was both. It was like, I feel like us as athletes, like we always have that piece that like, we want to train, we want to, you just know how good it is for your body to be able to move and use it in different capabilities, but also just that part of performing for me, it's ever since I was a little girl, like I just loved to perform. I would create like dances and shows for my friends and family, like all of the time. So there is, it just brought such a light to my life to be able to do that and to be on stage. And I just was something I was always passionate about. Um, And honestly, like, I wish I could do it consistently um still but yeah I mean I love it I want to try it now (laughs) you should there's so many people they're like I can never do that they'll see videos but there's so many places where you can go and try and like test it out and it's not at there's some parts of it that are very difficult but even just doing like flying trapeze they have beginner like you're on safety lines and there's always a way to, to try and take classes and beginner courses because everyone has to start somewhere. So I say do it if you have someplace close to you. (laughs) I might, I might. I mean, I've been ticking off all the sports I didn't play because I had been playing soccer and I'm getting to like the bottom of my list. Um, and I haven't really explored that part. So I might, (laughs) not many people do. It's not your average, uh, activity, but I will say like people end up loving it when they do it. I'm sure there's some sort of adrenaline rush to it as well. Yeah, there definitely is. I need that in my life big time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, when you do like for flying trapeze, for example, when you make like a catch, um, and even if it's in safety lines or out of safety lines, it's like this, like this feeling of like relief, like, oh my gosh, they caught me and I'm safe. And then (laughs) it's a whole different realm, but we could definitely get into that. And I can give you some, um, recommendations if you will. Uh, I will take them. Absolutely. (laughs) Um, so it kind of occurred to me that it's not necessarily that you picked another sport to occupy your time with. It was something that you knew, uh, was a part of you and you got curious about what that looked like later on in your life in terms of loving to perform and um, kind of walking into this creative side of you. Mm -hmm. Uh, How would you say that's benefited you in your career and later on? Yeah, I mean, I think it just ultimately led to a change in mindset as to like, I don't have to identify with just one thing. And 
taking a deeper look inside into the things that make me happy and the things that I love to do, but also qualities that I love about myself and that I don't have to just identify as like this person who does things, but what do I have to offer others aside from like a physical standpoint? Um, And yes, you could say that like performing what I did was physical, but it was also just this part of it that like bringing something to others, like storytelling or, you know, comforting others. And that was kind of like when I would perform for other people and see a smile on their face or, you know, make a kid happy or teach them something like it just brought joy to me and it created conversations around it. And I just started to be able to speak more about myself than to what I did. Um, So it just made me look deeper inside as to like what qualities I had and what I had to bring forth for other people. So are you saying you wanted to connect more with people based on who you are rather than what you do? Mm -hmm. Love that. Yeah. What a great mindset shift. Yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy. And like, I think just being a natural connector, there's something about that, that you can then bring to the table, like telling my story and like how I got to that, because it was a great gateway of like, how did you get here? And, you know, just like when you and I spoke of like, well, it's actually an atypical type of story and someone can always relate to a piece of it. And then I just, I fell in love with being able to do that as well and to talk to people and help people. Um, And I actually wish I could do more of that in a different way. And I've always thought about how are ways that I could do that and bring that into my life and like a stronger scenario, which is like, I love that I can even do this and tell my story because maybe it can spark something in somebody else. That's the point, the whole point, even if it's just one person that ever listens to this podcast, hopefully they get something out of whatever interview they're watching that will impact their life or give them direction in what they're going through. Um, So I do thank you so much for like, I'm super honored that you're on. We're not doing the interview, by the way. I'm just (laughs) side tangent. (laughs) I'm very honored that you took the time to be on here and be vulnerable and share your story because I know that it's not coincidence and that it will help somebody that's going through those, you know, those either those exact circumstances or something similar. Um, So I think it's extremely important um, to share your story. I kind of want to backtrack a little bit. What else did you, did you do when you were kind of in the middle of that struggle? What helped you kind of start taking those next steps? Um, I think recognition. So I knew what I was doing wasn't good for me. And like I said, I knew the person that I was and that like in the deepest version of myself that I was this happy person that I love to be with people and I just knew something was not right and I wasn't doing right by myself what I was doing to myself my body my family um but at the end of the day no one can tell you like I had family members telling me to snap out of it or like you're this isn't you and it's you know ultimately you can't change unless you truly want to change And I know that because it took me a while. It wasn't like an overnight thing, like, okay, I'm going to change. And it's something that even today I still struggle with, Mm -hmm. but it was just seeing the people and doing the things that I loved and like trying to figure that out and being around it, like being around my family, like forcing myself to be around my friends or going and traveling and like 
just trying to connect with the deeper pieces of myself that I knew made me happy and whole. You mentioned community as well. I think briefly when we initially talked, how did that help support you to take those next steps and how does it still support you today? Yeah. So, um, my sister actually introduced me to a CrossFit gym when I was going through this as well. And I started talking to one of the coaches, um, and a lot of athletes, I think at this point in time started, um, like myself, like post collegiate play or even in college started doing CrossFit. Um, so, you know, I started talking to him cause he was an ex soccer player too, of just, you know, ways that I could get better. And, you know, cause he looked at me and he was like, you know, you might have to put on like a little weight to like turn into muscle and, and things of that sort. And I started seeing people in the gym, like doing amazing things with their bodies. And, you know, it started shifting this focus of like, I don't have to be tiny to be able, you know, to do things. I'm like, I want to start getting back to like being that strong, motivated person and just being in the gym surrounded by like-minded people in a different setting um, of all different shapes and sizes and ages started to just like make me feel welcome again. I wasn't in this deep hole by myself, but I was welcomed into this new community of people that you know, it didn't matter what I was doing. Um, they were just there to like sweat with me to have fun. And it gave me a new sense of, you know, love and comfort. That's so good. I just started doing a strength class at, a at the tour and mm-hmm. the trainer is like 24. So she's around my age. Um, and she, her background is CrossFit. So every Tuesday and Thursday morning, I am up at 6 a.m. I am, I've never been, I, those days I'm like, I'm getting everything done that I got to get done this week because I'm so excited yeah. to get out of bed and get going. And they're difficult. They're hard. Like we just did like a test. She turned Tuesdays and a test Tuesdays. So now I'm yeah. doing my push-ups and my pull-ups till failure, my sprinting and all the things that I did yeah. when I was playing my sport. But instead, like my mindset shifted where I'm like, I get to do this for me now. And I, I get to push myself as hard as I want to. It's not, mm-hmm. you know, a standard that's held outside for the team to externally motivate us or me. It's something that's internal. Did you notice a shift when you started to get into CrossFit or start working out and doing aerial in that sense? I did. Yeah. Um, it was just like, what you've seen with a lot of crossfitters is like the body isn't real thin and you have to, you know, eat nutritious food and you have to, you know, there's still this like mindset around it of like treating your body right, but in the the right way of like, I need to consume food and able to, you know, just kind of like my mindset when I was in college of like, to be able to have the energy to do these things. So it just helped me to feel more comfortable being around it than just in my own head of thinking like, you know, I have to be skinny or I can't eat or things like that. Um, So it definitely helped get me out of that mindset that ended up being very, very difficult for me to get through. Yeah. And it's funny. I had another interview last week and I actually worked with a, a dietitian right out of college, but she had this program for retired female athletes. And it talked about fueling your body and body image and all these things. 
And I also found some research that talks about when you lift heavy weights or you do CrossFit or like some sort of strength conditioning workouts, it decreases your insecurity about your body image. Like it helps with dysmorphia. Mm -hmm. You're more focused on the ability of your body rather than what it looks like. It's more in terms of what is it capable of and how far can I push my body? There's so much freedom in that, in that mindset shift. It's so true. And that's what I found with myself is I was like, and it's the competitor in me too, of like, I want to be able to lift this heavy weight. I want to be able to get this time in the workout. And like, I couldn't do that with, you know, the, with no energy or like not fueling myself. So it like was able to completely shift what I was doing and what I was doing it for, but still bringing in that love for like sport and competition, um, as I was doing it. So I completely agree with those statistics that you found because it does, it truly does make you focus more on like, I love what my body can do. Like as a soccer player, a lot of us have are very quad dominant. So it was always one thing that I'd look at and be like, my legs are huge. My legs are huge. My legs are huge. And, you know, I had to start shifting of like, my legs can do this. My legs help me walk. My legs help me run. My legs help me squat. Having to change that mindset into not thinking it of these qualities we have as a negative thing, but how they empower us to do the things that we do every day. Yeah. Well said. So well said. (laughs) Save for the people in the back. (laughs) (laughs) Um, it's true the things you learn over time it's amazing what you learn after your sport it's almost like you wish you knew what it was like while you were doing your sport but Mm -hmm. then I don't know if you could actually look at your journey the same way I don't think you'd come to the same conclusions that you do post-sport until you go through the struggle I feel like a lot of athletes they are okay with retiring from a physical standpoint, unless if they're, if they have the choice to retire or they do have an injury, but not necessarily from an emotional level. So do you think that asking for help is something that needs to be talked more about from like a, you know, an athlete standpoint? I do. Cause I think it's very easy to just feel like you're in it alone. You don't have a support system or you don't know what to do with what you're feeling. And some people might not even know what it is. Like for me, I didn't, when I went through my depression, it wasn't until after and a long time after that I could actually identify why that was. Cause I was very confused. I was like, what is happening to me? Why am I not this person? Why am I so focused on food? Like I never was like this before. I could not even imagine being where I was. So it's just, I think we just need to offer more support right after of like knowing that there is support out there and people can maybe start to identify with it of like, oh, I do feel this way. And I, I can relate to this because I don't feel like at least from my standpoint that I had those resources to know that other people were in similar situations or knew what was going on with them. Um, I'm a natural, like I wear my heart on my sleeve. I talk about everything. So I would talk about things to other people, but some people are introverted and they don't want to just, you know, talk about it out loud or talk about it to a lot of people. So having, you know, 
the opportunity to engage with those type of people that might not know that there's support out there, um, I think would be really helpful. Yeah. Did you ever feel like maybe shameful or guilty for walking through that and not feeling like you should feel strong and confident because that's what you always were. And then you walk into this season where you are depressed and you're struggling and you're confused about what you're going through and you don't quite understand it. Did those feelings affect like your journey and trying to walk out of that season of depression? Um, I mean, I definitely felt guilty because I was just like, why am I like this? Why am I feeling this way? And I couldn't understand it. And it's, that's the thing with mental health is just, it's something that's happening structurally, structurally inside your brain. And it, you know, as much as I didn't understand it, and that's why I feel like we need to talk about mental health more is like, there's this stigma around it that it's like, you're born this way, or you're just the way that you are. But it's like, these things can just come on out of the blue. And we need to make sure that people understand what it is and how these things, you know, come to be of like, you take me as this completely normal. And I say it in quotations, like normal person, like, but you never know what someone's going through or how things change for them. So I think we just need to start to identify it more and offer support um, and just know how to talk to people through that as well. I agree. So beneficial. And to know you're not alone either, right? Yeah. To have a community that of other people have already gone through it with you or before you and are going going through it with you too. Yeah. Like that's what so when I finally got to my point of enough is enough too, um, I looked up um an eating disorder clinic in Boston and I just walked myself in there, made an appointment. And was like, I just need to talk to somebody because I don't know what else to do. And I can't talk to my family or friends that have never been through it because they don't understand. So I really just needed to seek out professional help. But I know a lot of people would be afraid to do that. I just got to the point where I was so tired of being the way that I was that I was like, I don't know what else to do. So I walked myself in and luckily I was provided resources that could help me. That is so courageous, especially pushing yourself to do it, you know, on your own, but, uh, you know, it's not like you had somebody dragging you in there. And like you were saying before, like you can only truly change yourself. So, Mm -hmm. um, I commend you for doing that. It's not, that is not an easy thing to do whatsoever. No, but I will say for anyone that is listening, although it's scary and you might want to talk yourself out of it at every step, even until you pull up to wherever the place is just getting through the door and finally being able to talk to somebody openly that could actually understand what I was going through and give me resources was just such a breath of fresh air. Um, I don't think I've ever cried as much as I did in my life. And I'm a crier. (laughs) I'm like an emotional person. Uh, but I just, I was like, it was just like a weight had lifted off my back. I know I wasn't through the thick of it, but I knew that I was on a path to getting myself some help that I desperately needed. Yeah, that is amazing. What would you say to a recently retired student athlete or someone that is struggling with something 
uh, similar to your journey, where would you, where would they start with trying to either find their way out of something or just trying to learn more about who they are and not identify themselves based on uh, their sport? I feel like just finding some kind of support group. I feel like nowadays, like even I've researched it, like after the game or things of that sort, there's like groups on LinkedIn, or even if that's the beauty of, like I said, social media nowadays, there's groups and all different, you know, resources to use to kind of research. Um, But also just finding something you love and finding your community within it, Um, whether it be like dancing or whether it's painting or book, book club, like just finding something that still, you know, connects you to you and being able to talk about it, like find those people that you love and you're able to talk to about how you're feeling. And yeah, it's all just about finding support and knowing you're not alone in it. That's so good. (laughs) I have just soaked up every word you just said. That is so good. Um, Is there anything on your mind that you wanted to mention or talk about that I didn't ask any questions? If there's people out there, the comparing is the hardest thing that I find that we still have in our life of just everything that you see is not what you see. Just try not to compare yourself to other people and where they are in life's journey, because probably during the time I was at my lowest lows, if, you know, Instagram was as big as it is now, I probably could have posted a ton of photos of me at the skinniest version of myself or doing this or that. And you would have thought that I was the happiest person in the world, but deep down inside, I wasn't. And it's just very easy. And I catch myself even days now at different stages of my life, like, oh, this person has this, or they're doing this, or they're doing that. And just as much as you can, just try to focus on yourself and the things that you're doing in your life. Cause it's very easy to get carried away in looking into somebody else's life and thinking they have it all um, when it might not be true. So just try to focus on yourself and the things that bring you immense joy. Man, that is so wise. (laughs) I love that. That's my takeaway. (laughs) It's fantastic. I'm writing that down. (laughs) Thank you so much for jumping on here and giving me some of your time. Um, I really do think the things that we talked about and your journey, it's going to bless somebody. So seriously, thank you. I really do appreciate it. Of course. Here to help. Hey, thanks for giving this episode a listen. If this episode resonated with you, please leave a review and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. Oh, one more thing. Stay in the know on Insta. Tag a former athlete, teammate, friend, foe, family member. You get the point. I would love to connect with you. Okay, friends. That is all she wrote. I'll see you next week.